Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. Yet another episode of Rookie on the Rise, ladies and gentlemen. I am beyond thrilled to welcome back the tried and true, the OGs, the dudes, the do it the mostest and the bestest, Mr. Brad and Mr. Eric. You can get Brad on Twitter when he's there sparingly at FF Bourbon Dude. You can also get his goodies, which is his bourbon goods. And you can find Eric with his very, very original Eric Burkholder 6 Twitter handle, Eric with a C, not a K. And you spell Burkholder like you would expect it because you can't fuck that up, to be quite honest. Joe, and how are we doing today? <laughs> we're, we're learning how to spell, apparently. Yeah. We're getting you bitches more followers, right? This is how we're doing it. Uh, bitches, get in there. You got to look out for those Eric's with a K. You do. And, uh, they're, dude, they're evil. Untrustworthy. Look out. If they go with the CK, total wild card. Total wild card. But us uh, C's. Is that a thing? We keep it, we keep it yeah, Oh, yeah. It's like Charlie um, Day on Always Sunny. Wow, God. Yes. Just cut the brakes, jump out of the back of the van while it's rolling on the street. Yes, total wild card. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've, I've seen the episode. It's, it's, That's like this it's show. Stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, happy to be back. It's been a long time. It has. Uh, we, I, the whole season's over. So I guess we're going to you know, turn the page. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, funny story, though, if I spell my name wrong, every time I had a substitute, you know, through like fifth grade, my last name's Burkholder. They would say Eric Burkholder, and I would go Durr, and they thought I was being a smartass, right? <laughs> I was like, I just want you to get my name right. No, my name's too fucking long, and so for them on the attendance sheet, it said Eric Burkholder, and I didn't know that for like, you know, twelve years or something. And I finally saw, I was like, oh my god, I've been putting these people through the ringer as a little smartass ten-year-old, eleven-year-old being a bitch. I had no idea, so I. You can't maybe spell it wrong, but I thought they were saying it wrong for like a decade. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And then I just want to bring the audience in. Uh, when Brad opened up this this uh, stream, it was his back turned toward his whiskey collection and him dancing with his backward baseball hat, his wireless headphones, and his, what is that, maroon? A maroon robe on. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't confirm if there are clothes underneath that. All I know is that Brad is feeling himself today. Bradley, how are we doing, buddy? 
Oh, I'm feeling great. My pants are right here in my hand, not on my legs. Um, I've got a flight of Old Elk whiskey uh, that I'm sipping on and figuring out which one I like more than the other. I've got my trusty baseball. It's like we're back to normal almost. It is. It's kind of weird, right? It, it yeah. feels good. I'm excited to talk good things and bad things. Not peek too much behind the curtain because I know that bothers Eric a little bit. But you want. Good luck out there. This guy's gonna give it all away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I better jump in and just get out in front of this colossal mess. So uh, we're gonna look back in our rookie ranks and kind of discuss where we went wrong and some picks that we are proud of ourselves. Uh, We're gonna go position by position, and then we're just gonna kind of roll it from there. And what we're trying to do here is just be open and transparent with our process, and then trying to also share what we learned in hopes that you can learn as well so that we can learn from each other and not make the same mistakes over and over again, expecting different results, because I've been told that is what insanity is. Jury's still out because I'm still trying the same thing over and over and over again. So, uh, gentlemen, before we get into the goods, we need a question of the show. If you had to rob someone's house and you could only steal something that was a minor inconvenience... What would you steal? His baseball. <laughs> you would steal a baseball you would totally from Fred's house. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Rob's house, you can only steal something of, like, of a minor, minor inconvenience. It's minor such a inconvenience. random thing. That is such a random thing. I like Bradley's baseball, but you know, that's like a major inconvenience. That would drive him insane. No. Yeah, that, that would be very difficult for me. I'm, I'm going with the phone charger. Taking somebody's phone charger. (laughs) Why? Why not? (laughs) Horrible. It seems minor for about the eight hours that your phone's charged, and then when it's not, it's not minor anymore. It's the same reason I. It's the same reason I kind of went with uh, you know my answer to the last question that Britt asked me. I don't even remember what one that was. To be honest, oh man, come on, the pullout couch. Oh, the, oh, yeah. Oh, Brad's that. a fucking futon. I love that. It I is not a futon. I did not say futon. Get the fuck I am way clapped. Motherfucker, people on futons don't wear robes. Come on. Get out of here with that. Excuse me. Oh, my God. What the shit is this? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, I know I said last episode was my potential MJ episode, but now I am confirmed with COVID, so I'm riding the Tylenol high. So this is going to be really, really fucking fun. Let's jump into tight ends. We all had Kyle Pitts at tight end one, right? Yeah. Yep. Good. All right. We're not dumb. We all had Pat Fryermuth tight end two, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Do we want to go on? No. Nope. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Glad we're all hitting there. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's jump to quarterbacks then. Um, let's see, Brad. What was the quarterback rank you were most proud of out of this class right so far oh. one year in? God, that I was most proud of. Yeah, one you think uh, you got I'm, right. I don't know. Well, the one I got right. Oh, yeah, it's so hard to say. I still think Trey Lance is not the the number one or number two quarterback in the class. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. It okay. it's so hard to say though, right? right? Everybody had Trevor Lawrence's one. Yeah, he looked like smashed asshole. 
like <laughs> after you've run over it a couple times with a semi-trailer. Uh, it was bad, right? But nobody's nobody's going to turn around and say you shouldn't have taken him 101, right? Um, well, but I, I think for me, what I did see of Trey Lance still led me to believe that he was not the first or second best quarterback out of the class. Uh, so for me, it's it's probably him. But the jury's still out. I mean, you can't make it based on you know a, a half that he played, a few snaps that he played early in the season, and then the one game that he played at the end of the season when Jimmy G got uh, uh, got hurt. So I, I, it's shitty to say that, but that's that's the best thing you can do right now. Where do you think? What was your biggest miss at quarterback? Oh, Mac Jones, I would have to say. Uh, I was lower on Mac Jones than others. Um, and I feel like he proved that he belongs, that he should be a long-term starter in the NFL. Uh, I don't know that he's a guy that I want on my fantasy team necessarily, but I do think he is a, a solid NFL quarterback for, for a while. Uh, and I had him at five. Five or six. I don't yeah, think five. that's a mistake, so. though. I don't. If, I mean, I this year I it was know. because he played a full year and he was successful. But like long term, I don't think. I mean, he's probably got the least upside of out of every quarterback in this class still, right? Yeah. Yep. Because I mean, even Zach Wilson's going to offer that rushing upside and a rare. Well, not rare, but those good games are just off scripting, absolutely killing it. Berkey, what did you, uh, same questions as you. How did you go? What did you learn from this quarterback class? Um, I learned that situation for quarterbacks matters more uh, than people give it credit for. So I did have Trevor Lawrence at one, but Trey Lance at two, Justin Fields at three, Mac Jones at four, Zach Wilson at five, and Davis Mills at six. And I think wow. I smashed it. Um, but I, I went off situation. Justin Fields at three behind Trey Lance. What's encouraging is how well Jimmy Garoppolo played. It's at one point between weeks 11 and 16 or some crap like that, he was QB3. If Jimmy G can get it done with three-yard slants and no rushing upside, Trey Lance looks like wheels up, and I didn't think Justin Fields would have the same coaching staff from year one to year two, which should help, but will stunt his development. Uh, Mac Jones over Zach Wilson, I like because I mean, we saw him put up a 50-burner. I know that was the Jaguars. We also saw a game where he only threw the ball three times, so – he didn't have weapons, and, he, and and they will go get him some out there in New England, and I'm a big fan of McDaniels, the LC there. It just looks like he will stay in the NFL longer than Zach Wilson, but I, I'm not going to argue upside. Uh, I just think we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. And then the fact that I had Davis Mills at six, I'm proud of that because I didn't know. I had to go back and look. Um, yeah. I'm, thank God he made it. I My biggest mistake, I fucked up all over the other positions outside of tight end and QB, but I I – I ranked, you know, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger, Ian Book. I, I, I kind of liked Ian Book. I was excited when he got his start. Um, so it wasn't all roses. <laughs> this was a pretty easy draft class. Yeah. Davis Mills had the clearest path to uh, start, and then the other five. I just liked my order at the end of the year. But I'm not going to argue with anybody because, yeah, we haven't seen enough. And Trevor right. won. I don't think he's the one over anymore. But yeah, who, urban, man. who would you take one out of this quarterback class? Had to uh, redo all all again. Who do you take one? I would take Trey Lance. Yeah, I would too. And I, I'm I mean, upset that I didn't put in my rankings because when I had a couple picks, a couple startups, and I did smash Trey Lance. It's just he, Trevor got the whole year to start. You know, he got the whole year to start. So it's tough to get away from a year of development under center. It's just 
I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe in the offense. I believe in the weapons. And he's so young. I think he was drafted. He was still 20 years old. He's 21. The guy's got the little peach fuzz going. He's got a cannon arm. He's got great legs. He's huge, so he can take some hits. Um, I'm, I'm enticed by Trey Lance. Yeah, he's got a whole year under the system to learn and not get ruined, a la Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. Bradley, your facial discretion. Your facial expressions lead me to believe that you have something passionate to say regarding this matter. I did not expect that a guy that you got to see play for a game and a half would leapfrog the quote-unquote generational talent that everybody talked about moving into the year. I don't know how you make a decision on a game and a half to leapfrog him over a guy that has the skill set that Trevor Lawrence has that – while granted, I, I agree with everything that Eric said around situation and situation mattering. Um, but I, yeah, I just, it was, I didn't expect to hear that. I guess that you would, that t- two of the three of us would take Trey Lance 101. Well, uh, I think over Trevor Lawrence after I think, this year. I think for me, you know, what I, I, <clears throat> I led to in the quarterback discussion uh, last episode of Rolling Circus a Shite. Um, which was that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, the fear here is that he's going to be, have, or he learned potentially some new or some bad habits in that year to kind of survive. And it's going to take him a while to unlearn that, right? <clears throat> and we don't know that situation. It's very likely that Trevor Lawrence to be able to, to boost up above Trey Lance. But I mean, I think it's just enticing the unknown of Trey Lance and the upside you saw in that short sample size. I mean, I don't care how you cut it, 20 fantasy points and a half is exceptionally incentivized and has exception exceptional incentivization then you staple it on this 49ers brand with Kyle Shanahan that's just pure sex in my opinion so I mean I get it I think I think right now I'm trying to adjust my process to where I'm prioritizing more upside <clears throat> and who I think can offer the the highest floor than who I think should be the, one of the most stable players um I think my biggest miss was for quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know. I, I had Mac Jones five, Wilson four, Fields three, Lance two, and Lawrence one. It's pretty chalky. There's not a lot to talk about. I had Mond at six. That's my biggest misc. And I talked about that in last week's show. If Mike Zimmer, what did he fucking say? He said, I see him every day in practice. I don't see him. need to see him anymore. <laughs> if you say that about a quarterback, I don't care who it is. That is a death now. That boy is gone. Oh, and those three passes he threw against Green Bay in Week 18 were just hurt the soul, hurt it deep. All right, let's jump over to running backs. All right, uh, let's see. We'll do. Let's do biggest takeaway from this class. What's the biggest lesson you learned, uh, Eric? The biggest lesson: running backs are scary, and I don't know if I learned it, but it, it's just more evident every year that running backs gain more value from year one to year two, no matter what they do than any other year in their career. So when you look at, at guys, I mean, if you just look back in time, look at um, Miles Sanders two years ago, like he, the the blow up for him, you know, value-wise was disgusting, whether it was justified or not. Now he could have blown up and kept going. I mean, we see Monty with an RB4 finish, uh, another solid year this year, even though we missed some time. We saw Jacobs with RB8 and then RB11. Their values have not gone up, even though they've continued to produce and will earn that second contract. Uh, kind of like Joe Mixon style, where you could see the top five potential from them. People don't care. They want the young buck, and I think that's what we're seeing with Javonta Williams. Um, so that's 
that's what I that's that was my biggest takeaway from this class. On top of that, draft capital, of course, matters to an extent. But when you get outside of halfway through the second round, it's not the same to me. It's not the same. Three, four, five, six, seven, all those rounds kind of go together. I mean, people say the third round's a death trap. That's just because we want it to be a second rounder and, and we're kind of stuck in there. And you saw that with Trey Sermon, who apparently doesn't have it. And you saw the flip side with Michael Carter and Ramondre Stevens. And, and of course, your guy's boy, my biggest miss because I, I was asleep on him. I did luckily get him in the league because. Uh, you're always in my ear, but Elijah Mitchell was my biggest miss. Bradley, what about for you? <clears throat> um, I am going to go with probably somebody like a Chuba Hubbard. Um, I, I still feel like he could have been. I, I had him at nine. I mean, I had – Kenneth Gainwell above him, which I think is is okay. I don't think you can fault anybody for that. But then I had Javian Hawkins above him, um, yeah, Trey Sermon above him, uh, and in hindsight, he should have definitely, I think, creeped up into that that late second round. Uh, and that's just not what was happening. Uh, you know, he was a mid third in most of the leagues that I saw him go in. So. Um, when you look at the situation that was going on there, you look at the talent that he had coming out of OK State. Um, yeah, I, I think for for me, he he's a few spots too low. But once you get, I, I mean, to Eric's point, once you get below the top two rounds, I I I don't know that draft capital matters as much. Um, I, I feel like if you watch some of these guys, you can see whether or not they're going to get opportunity on the practice field. And if they get opportunity, if they can make the most of it. So it's a crapshoot with those guys, right? But I still think, I, for me, you know, Elijah Mitchell, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I, had, I was very high on him because of what, I, what you saw him do on the field. But everybody says, well, you know, he was a raging Cajun. He was this, he was that. Uh, he was That's a second-round right. pick. It doesn't matter. Um, but I, I just feel like talent wins out at that position more often times than not. Yeah, I I mean <clears throat> I think I think what we're going to see going to see here is that as the NFL is seemingly adapting to the running back position being more fickle and more fragile, I think you're going to see less running backs taken in the first round and early second, and kind of start transitioning to the second mid early to mid second to the third, which is going to eventually make the early day three draft capitals, fourth rounders a bit more valuable than they have been in the past. Like similar to like changing, <clears throat> similar to changing thresholds. So like wide receiver weight or um, wide receiver height, right? Like shit's that's changing and getting lower because you don't have running back or linebackers that are fucking 265 pounds and breaking your sternum because you're running a crossing pattern, right? You don't have to be 225 to absorb that hit now because they're only, they're 225, 230. You can handle that as a 185 little dude, right? Um, for Elijah Mitchell, for me, I think what he draws to how, is how important special teams contribution is, right? Because when he first got on the team, they said that he's there as a special teams contributor, which is why it's so important to have that additional skill set, especially if you don't have that top-tier draft capital, so that you have a team on a spot, so you are on the active roster. So if someone does get injured, then you're there. Even if it's last man up, it's like, well, shit, we got no one else. Better throw Mitchell in. And the dude just tears it up because he's so bloody athletic. I think 
the biggest miss for me uh, was having Stevenson solo. I just, I liked him at first, and then he tested out so poorly, and he went to the Patriots, and I just, I was out. But I think, I think what I want to address next year, this off, next upcoming draft is prioritizing those high-profile handcuff backs with moderately good, um, moderately good draft capital. Because I mean, Stevenson gave you some really solid years, as or weeks, as did Chuba. Chuba gave you a ton, as did Cleo Herbert, right? Uh, Gainwell gave you a couple, and then Carter eventually got the role. Eric, yeah, I just wanted to highlight one thing as regards to draft capital for running backs and why it's getting later and later. Uh, if you are a first round draft pick in the NFL, you get a fifth year option. So, and if you're a second rounder or later, you don't. And the pay scale is tremendously different between the first. Somebody's TV is going off. No, the pay scale between the first and the second um, round of the NFL draft is like tremendously different. So you'll see teams that want people that have to develop, take them more often in the first. That's your tackles, that's your corners, that's your uh, <laughs> occasional tight end, and um, that's your offensive and defensive linemen because you will know after three years, whether you want to keep them, but you want to keep them cheap. Whereas a running back, because they pretty much come in and produce or they don't, uh, you don't need the fifth year option. You know, after two years, whether you're going to sign them to a long extension or let them go. And you don't want to be on the hook for that. So you'll see more and more teams taking people that take longer to develop and waiting to the second round. That's why we saw Swift Dobbins acres, uh, Jonathan Taylor, all of them went in the second round uh, because there were so many of them that, People were like, I'll just take whoever's there and take that tremendous value, you know, like budget wise for their salary cap. And then this last season, there was not quite as many. So you saw uh, the Steelers just had to go get their guy. And then the Jaguars freaked out and went and got their guy. Uh, and then at the top of the second, as soon as the second round opened, offers are coming in and people wanted to go get the, the last running back available. So uh, I think that's part of it. And one last thing, he talked about special teams, which is something I've slept on. It's great because I thought it was dumb. I don't want you playing special teams. Uh, but at positions of, you know, where there's a lot of turnover and injuries, you're on the team. You're in practice. You do get – people see you. Like he talked about the quarterback, Kellamond. I see him every day at practice. That's why Elijah Mitchell got a shot because he keeps seeing him make plays, uh, whether it's a tackle and a big hit or a big block or whatever. He has earned an opportunity. And the last point is that you have to pick the team because not every team will do that. The 49ers will. Uh, we know the Seahawks will. There are certain teams that draft capital, once you show up at camp, does not matter. Uh, and there's other teams where the GM's fighting for his job and he has to make his first, second, third round picks work. And so they're going to force him out there. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Looking at you, Dave Gettleman. Looking at you. All right, now things are going to get really fun because we're going to jump in the wide receiver tier. Um, Bradley, I'm going a, to I'm a, I'm, I'm put you on ice for a little bit here so you can – formulate your best response for what is undoubtedly going to be one of the best apologetic stories probably that we have until we get to 2022. So Eric, <clears throat> who was, uh, who was your biggest miss in the class ranking wise? And then what was your best lesson learned? I would love to tell you that my biggest wish was Devonta Smith being too high just to shit on the bourbon dude over there, but it's not true. Uh, I had Terrace Marshall at five. Deami Brown at eight. I did have Josh Palmer in the top ten. I'm on Rot seven. So I had pretty solid, um, pretty solid rankings, but they they were kind of chalky. So I guess if I'm taking my biggest 
takeaway here is that um, when you're looking at wide receivers to draft towards the first and second round, especially those super flex leagues, because they're just such a tremendous value, you want people that not only can get playing time right away, but will force their way into being a part of the game plan. And I've talked a little bit on here about uh, gadget guys and gimmicky guys, and that's that's not what I mean. I, Rondell Moore, though, if he isn't a part of the game plan, is gone. Whereas a Jalen Waddle, if he's not part of the game plan, he's still playing and will be pr- productive. But because he's such a tremendous playmaker, they also try and get him plays. And we look at Devonta Smith, sometimes fall, he just falls asleep or he just disappears, I guess is a better way to, to name it. And that's because he's not necessarily what they want to do. Rashad Bateman will have that kind of, same kind of thing, whereas an Elijah Moore, um, they're looking to get him the ball as well as him getting his his production through just routes run and stuff like that. Um, so my biggest takeaway is to find people that that will be manufactured touches on top of being a part of the offense on every regular down and um, – just to go ahead, and one more thing is to focus on the connection because we had three people get drafted to their quarterback in college or whatever, and that's a real thing. And and it should be noted that a connection between a quarterback that's going to try and make it work um, clearly clearly showed out in this last in this last season. Yeah, I mean, to Devonta Smith's credit, he was number sixteenth in the league in yards per team pass attempt as an efficiency metric with a 1.85, which, I mean, he's, I I think Jacob Sanderson on Twitter put it out there, but there's, I I think he said, I can't remember a time which a wide receiver was drafted in the first round and was, and had such an underrated rookie career or rookie year, and which is Devonta Smith. I mean, by all shapes and sizes, he did really well given the circumstances of everything that he was dealing with. Um, Berkey, who do you feel like was your best hit for the class? Uh, I'm on raw at seven. One more thing. I wasn't dumping on Devonta Smith. I think he had a fine year and I think he's a fantastic player. I was just trying to take a shot of Brad while he's, while he's on mute over there, just to be fair. Okay. I, yeah, Brad's, um, Brad's trash in his office right now. I think Sorry. my biggest hit, cause I had Jamar chase at one. I didn't think it was close, but I, again, I understood the other side of the coin. I was betting on Joe Burrow and I hit, I had Jalen Waddle at four and Bateman at three. I think I should have swapped those. I was betting on Lamar being a better passer than expected, and that was proven. Bateman missed a lot of time, but we saw Hollywood blow up. So I think the process in all these is good. I'm happy. I am a Lions fan, but I am happy that I had Amon Ra right behind Elijah Moore. Uh, And going into this next season, I think that's exactly how I have it. And to to call out a guy that – I mean, the opportunity's there, but it's a shitty opportunity. Amon Ra, say Brown showed out this season and set records that no lion has done. Uh, he will be a tremendous buy or sell or hold candidate in all leagues. People will be talking about him. Uh, but looking at last year's rankings, uh, I think that that's probably my biggest hit. So let me ask you something. Do you think the Lions bring someone, another wide receiver in through the draft? Or free agency? thousand percent. And I don't think it, it's going to kill him. I think TJ yeah. is the one that, that loses the most because when we watch Jared Goff, he doesn't like his tight ends. I think TJ got absolutely force-fed because he was the only one there. I think DeAndre Swift would be a part of a committee uh, until the coaching staff needs wins, in which case they'll go, well, fuck. this guy is is the man. 
Um, and so I think that Amon Ra will still be that solid wide receiver too with upside. Is he going to get 20 points a game for an entire season? No, no one does. Literally no one does. Is he going to get double-digit target at least nine times <laughs> at least nine times out of 17 games? Absolutely. Amon Ra will be hyper-targeted because there will be so many passing attempts because the Lions are so bad and playing catch-up. And Jared Goff is only going to help his development, not hinder it, a la his connection with Cooper Cup versus his connection with Robert Woods. You can say that Robert Woods was more steady, but if you're looking for pop and upside, Cup was the man, and now it's Amon Ross St. Brown. When you bring somebody in and you put him in the slot, and now he's in the slot, people have to decide between him and TJ and Swift, I think he's going to be an issue. I like it. All right, Brad. This is your swan song. This is your time. That's your, your redemption song. Shit. You think <laughs> I'm apologizing for something. I ain't apologizing for <laughs> shit. What I will say is I underestimated – how much that Jamar Chase's physicality would translate. I looked at all the other flaws that I saw in his game and just completely overlooked how he uh, can do two things. One, he just out-physicals everybody. And two, he is an absolute expert at controlling his speed and adjusting his speed and then just blowing by guys, right? If he was, you know, I, and when I look at it, I see, oh my God, he ran a four, three something. Okay. Well, this guy, you watch him in college, he just runs by guys, right? Well, okay. That's not going to happen in the NFL. You're not just going to be able to run full out as fast as you can and be running by guys. That's not going to work. But what I didn't see and what he is really fucking good at is using that and throttling down when he needs to throttle it, throttle down. And then I think uh, Eric actually talks about this quite often is accelerating through the catch, right? He is absolutely phenomenal at this. And I say all of this and he was my wide receiver too. It's not like I had him at fucking wide receiver six because I thought he was a bust. Um, I just like the all around skill set that Devonta Smith had. So I think looking at that and then something else that I don't remember if it was you or Eric said that rapport with the quarterback is huge. Mm -hmm. And you saw it the entire year starting in week one and it just continued now. Yeah. He had his slumps in there and this and that, just like you would expect anybody else to have. But, um, I definitely underestimated how much of an impact he was going to make in year one, uh, 100%, 100%. I, uh, <clears throat> for, so just for, for consistency's sake, uh, Jamar Chase had the second highest yards per team pass attempts with 2.92. Um, it is worth noting that I didn't have the time and I didn't, I'm not going to take the time because I just, it's way too much in information input to uh to adjust for games played and not played so it's likely that some of these would change if you adjusted to the every single snap and attempt they were actually part of but the point being is the man was just he was he had a stellar rookie year you know if we didn't have justin jefferson last year he would have blown people out of the water even more um yeah i you know, I had a Monroe of St. Brown at 10 behind Nico Collins and Mari Rodgers. I regret that quite a bit. I liked Monroe coming in quite a bit. I thought that he was the – I expected the production we saw the last half 
to come in sooner just because there was no one else there, right? I mean, he was in the fourth round, so I dropped a little bit because, you know, just speaking statistically in the past, the likelihood of having a hit in the day three draft capital is pretty freaking low. Uh, so I prioritized a couple other guys. Um, I think my biggest miss is Jalen Waddle at six, though. I love the dude. And I know we've, we talked about him a lot, but I just, I didn't want to risk, I didn't want to risk him being a colossal bust. And so I put him at the end of the pack. And I think if I did it over again, I would probably put him probably in the three range or in the four range. Um, just because his upside that he can offer any given, any given game is, I mean, we saw it this year, right? And granted he wasn't having to compete a lot in terms of like other people, but he earned all those targets and he was absolutely electric at the second half of the year. If you're able to command nine targets a game for a 10 week plus stretch, I, you, you got it from me. Um, I'm not ranking him as highly in dynasty as some of these other guys, but I'm very impressed. And Terrace Marshall Jr. just absolutely fucking broke me. I had him wide receiver too. So fuck me, right? <laughs> like, just awful. Uh, somebody mentioned that I thought was really interesting. I'm paying more attention to is uh, lateral agility and those taller, heavier guys that aren't able to separate as easily, which Terrace Marshall is, fits in that category, as does Nikhil Harry, as does a couple other guys that have highly rated that just kind of. Um, Faded out and didn't really go there. I mean, the pro it, it was for me, Marshall offered a blend of size, athleticism, and production that I wanted every part of. And he was going to a Panthers team that previously had an extended Robbie Anderson. And I was pretty excited about that one two punch, especially with Joe Brady playing that big slot role, being a touchdown magnet like he was in LSU. But clearly, that just did not pan out at all. Um, not re fucking remotely much. So, Overall, guys, what would you say is the biggest lesson learned from this year's draft class? Biggest lesson learned for the wide receiver draft class. No, no. draft class is a whole. Just draft thing. class in general. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know while, while we're thinking, because there's a pod. Really that, yeah, well, there's <laughs> there's a pod pause. So I'm gonna fill that pause with something that you. So you said about you talked about Jalen Waddle. It's it's different. You saw such a different. You know, when we talked about Jalen Waddle being in a tier of his own, right? He he was that number four, number five, where he could we could see him in that top tier with Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith or Rashad Bateman, and we could see him in the tier below that, and we. Yeah, I know I personally was copped out. I, I put him in a tier of his own by himself because of that. And when you look at his college production, you're looking at a guy who's like 17, 18, 19 yards per catch. And it was totally different. This guy was getting peppered targets and he averaged like seven yards per target. It was a totally different game. So I don't know how you see that because what he did this year is not what you saw his three years at Alabama. You did not see that. You saw a glimpse, Everything though. was downfield. Yeah, you so saw – I mean, he it, was – so I mean, this guy was scoring off. multiple touchdowns a game. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw a glimpse of what you saw, Jalen Waddle, the yards after the catchability, the 
um, athleticism, the speed, the game breaking ability, you know, just being a complete game changer. Just for me, I just, I didn't feel comfortable betting on him because, you know, I, I like, I think Bateman in, in Baltimore is still a good play. I know some people are off and I understand that the pass attempts are inflated because they didn't have a running back they could lean on. Uh, but I still think that they realize they have to pass to win. I think that's ev- evident, right? And I think, you know, Elijah Moore clearly is going to be a very talented wide receiver. And so there's so many other wide receivers just have these great or much more comfortable profiles that I liked above Waddle and I felt more comfortable and I didn't want to take that risk. And I think if I, I think moving forward, taking that risk, I need to be more calculated and fade a Terrace Marshall Jr. and prioritize a Jalen Waddle where we see that. Um, just, you know, I think the NFL's, slowly adjusting and it's i mean it's always changing it's always moving berkey's got a rule i'm sure he'll bring up here in a little bit um but i just i, I think jalen waddle was just such a tough call because it's really easy that he could have just been a will fuller type guy right not that will fuller is bad by any means but like and it's very possible jalen waddle could fill that role later on because who knows what happens when we have a new coach and they bring in a wide receiver that's not will or that is going to fill Will Fuller's role, you know. Then you get more target competition, et cetera, et cetera. It's but Waddle's very clearly uh, talented. Um, Berkey, did you want to bring up your rule threes? If if you want, uh, I think you yeah, should. I think everything I think everything comes in threes. The good, the bad, everything in between comes in threes. And I've uh, been following this rule as far as draft classes. And it's more so based off the value of draft picks, uh, but it is evident in each class. So after a tremendous class, we'll go back to like 2014, right? I don't want to go too far back. 2014, just about everybody drafted in the top 15 picks had a hit. There's there's a couple busts, like absolutely atrocious busts, but a ton of hits. And a hit would be like a top 15 season uh, for a running back or wide receiver, or multiples, um, and then probably like top eight for a tight end. And if you look at 2015, 2016, they were still fine, but there's some landmines in there. Uh, you flip the page over 2017, 2017 gave us every running back that we want in fantasy for the last few years. I mean, stud after stud after stud it is loaded. Uh, you flip the page to the next year, you got 2018. Yeah, I think that's Saquon. You got 2019, right? That's CMC and Fournette. So it's top heavy, but then there's a ton of guys that just absolutely died on you. You got your Kieran Johnson's all over the place. And then that's 2018, 2019, or that's 2017, 2018, 2019, right? Uh, and then 2020 is an absolute blow up. So we're, we flip the page into the 2021 draft class and everything. I mean, these draft picks values have been insane going into the 2021 draft class. And it, th- this class did not really disappoint, but it's top heavy. So we like Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, Amon Ra, a little bit of Bateman. We cannot stand Terrace Marshall. Um, Nico Collins, I guess, has some hope. Kamari Rogers, Deami Brown. Uh, we didn't talk about Kadarius Tony, but that's still a wild card. There's a whole bunch of misses. Running back, the same thing. There's three running backs, maybe Michael Carter if they don't replace him. Uh, and then Elijah Mitchell out of nowhere. But he would have been like a third-round pick. So it seals like every three years. 2014 was a stud class. 2015 was overhyped because of 14. 2016 was underhyped because of 2015's disappointment. 2017 blew up. 2018 was overvalued. 2019 was undervalued, right? Because of 2018, uh, not living up to expectations, even though it's a good class. They didn't live up to the expectation of what the 2017 class did, where everybody was just a stone cold stud. 
Uh, and then 2020, look, you try and get a 2021 draft pick last season, people were obnoxious because they think they're going to get Jonathan Taylor or Swift or Akers or Dobbins. I mean, the fact that I just named those four guys, five starting quarterbacks in these super flex leagues and a plethora of wide receivers. Like, the, I couldn't stand Michael Pittman because the class was so good. But get the hell out of here. Michael Pittman was in this class in 2022. Oh, my God, I'd be smashing it. That might be Drake London. Same school, same profile, same, like, blow up, whatever. Um, So then you look at 2022 and people are already down on it because 21 disappointed off of what 2020 did. And people are already looking to 2023, which is going to annihilate. There are so many great prospects coming out, which I'm sure we'll get you together here, Rookie on the Rise. And Britt will talk about his Debbie dashboard, which is just badass. People should, people should sign up for that. And then 2024 will be overhyped because of 2023, although it will produce. If you want those picks, because 23s are obnoxious, you got to get them now, which means you have to wait multiple seasons. Uh, and then, of course, I think 2025 will be a fallout. And I think 2026 is when we get our next Manning. Yep, like Archie. That's when he starts, that's when he starts hitting the hitting the uh, the old chat line. The paved right? stone. And we, we got a Marvin – uh, Harrison coming out in 24. Like, there's still some studs coming out, but it'll be more feast or famine. Whereas you look every three years, I just, for me personally, I feel like every three years, you just get this special draft class. A lot of that has to do with the NFL and contracts and opportunities opening up more so than talent. You know, what would happen if Damian Harris didn't have to sit a year for the, for the uh, Patriots? Like, wh- what would he have been, right? What would have happened if, uh, David Montgomery was in the 2020 class and he had got drafted just he he would he wouldn't have gone to a situation that was so ideal but he came out in a year where contracts were expiring and that'll be every 4 years for running backs every 3 years for wide receivers generally that I mean that's just how to, how it, how it rotates um I I should have looked all this up I'm a little little off kilter with the names specifically, but if you go look at all the draft classes and the average ADP, which is easily accessible, you will see 2014 is loaded with studs. 2017 is loaded with studs. 2020 is loaded with studs. 2023 will be loaded with studs. And those ones in between, yes, there are some great players, but it'll be more feast or famine. You'll be shocked at how many people passed the 102 and one quarterback leagues absolutely fell on their face uh, before you get to some of those later draft picks. And those later draft picks are almost always wide receivers. Yeah. So I'm in a 14 team Superflex PPR and there were nine players drafted in the first three rounds from the 2021 class and the 2022 101 went pick 408, which is just, it, it just proves to show that how low people are on that draft class, just by and large. And it's not a phenomenal draft. There's, Two blue chips from every position, excluding what, tight end. It, it'll if, be better than that, though. It yeah, will it'll be, be better than be that. Fine. And then 2023 will be crazy over how people take that 101 in the first round of a startup. And you're yeah. like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And then it'll yeah. plummet again. So, yep. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, eventually, you got to start prioritizing. I am going to start prioritizing overall upside compared to safety because we don't live we don't win leagues off of safety nets you don't really win a lot of leagues off of a floor so if you miss on a couple white rookies that's fine but if i can hit on a jamar chase six out of ten times i feel pretty damn good i'm gonna 
win a couple championships in those leagues overall. Be completely honest. Um, well, gentlemen, we got a. We're gonna do one more, or probably one or two more episodes of the wide receiver class, a little more in depth, talking about those guys. Um, and then we're gonna kick off and push off towards the 2020-22 class. So the pretty exciting announcement down the way as well. So make sure you stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys. Your time is very valuable, and it makes me and everyone else very happy you wish to spend it with us while you're here um you can find bradley on twitter at the ff or excuse me at ff bourbon dude you can find eric at eric burke holder six as eric with a c not a k because we don't trust eric's with a k and if you can't sell burke holder then i guess you can email me but i have concerns for you I believe in you, but I got concerns. Uh, Spotify oh, allows you to rate a podcast, so please feel free to rate the podcast. Uh, if you're going to say something mean, fuck off. Um, that's my new thing. Now. I'm just going to tell people to fuck off if they're being mean. I kind of like it. But, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Any last words you guys got for us? Later. <laughs> I've been waiting so long to say that again. This fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. Berkey. Yeah, drink Jameson over profit number 12. <laughs> That's nonsense. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Tell your loved ones you love them. And uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself, okay? That's the podcast. Peace. It's actually, I did okay. I was a little nervous bringing this up. Oh, boy. The pants well, came off. Oh, my goodness. I had Jamar Chase it, man. Ooh. Straight up Sandlot style. You better not just, mm-hmm. just shit the bed. Those are making me really want to go and pour myself a drink. I'm the president of the PTA. King shit walking in. You know, I'm the manager here. Can I help you? Uh, I'm going to go get some black coffee and some Irish whiskey. I will be right back. Oh, is it number 12? Can I complain for a minute? Oh, I know man. I didn't touch it after I did it. And then a dog grabbed it and ran away. Get, get off my lawn. Do I have what? time? Yeah. Do I have the mental capacity? No. Oh my goodness, Britt. Mm. Jalen Darden at seven. Drink on Tylenol. He's just a legendary human being. It's really annoying. I, do I, I didn't even end up ranking Jalen Darden Can in my docs. Is that Steak and Shake receipt? Yes. So my brother worked at Steak and Shake, but he, he grew up with Derek Jeter, and Derek Jeter came in and gave him all this shit. So you're going to go to the Yankees, right? Fucking give me an autograph. So it says... To Chris and Ryan and Dave and Eric, best wishes, Derek Jeter. Nice. So I got that legit ass his signature because my nice. brother was like, oh, yeah, king shit walking in.